get started this morning. It's kind of in the same line of what we talked about last week and maybe the week before too. And uh, we talked about a new day coming, but really want to talk about uh, staying with it or walking, keep walking, keep going. And so James, the first chapter and the second verse says, my brethren. So who's he writing to? Only the guys in the church. No, he's talking about Christians. My brethren, he said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Those are tests, trials, hard times that come. He said, just count it all joy. Get excited about it. Okay, now that is not like if you went to a psychologist, that's not what they're going to tell you. If you go to your friends, that's not always what they're going to say to you. But God said in his word, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, tests, temptations. You guys were amen and earlier when I was talking about the power and laughing and stuff, but he said count it all joy. What if I told you today, you know, the Super Bowl is going to be on, you have time to place your bets. The Denver Broncos are going to win. And people think, oh, no, it's Carolina. They're a better team. But the Denver Broncos will win. So you go put your money on it, and it looks like it's not that way. But you know they're going to win. Even if it doesn't look like it for a short time, short time what are you going to do? You're going to be happy about it, right? Because you, you, you know that you've got information and it's working. And it's going to work and it's going to work out. Then you can count it all joy, can't you? Or no, no. You know, some people know the outcome sometimes and they don't count it all joy. You with me? They'll go to a movie. They already know what happens. I mean, you can just have some sense when you go to a movie. If you know there's going to be a part three and four, just understand that the star is going to live. So, oh, what's going to happen right here? They're going to live. They're going to be okay. They'll at least make it to the third installment. We know that because, you know, hey, don't we know that? I mean... Jason Bourne's about to come out again. He never died. I mean, he's, you know, it's going to be like Star Trek 25. You know, there's going to be whatever. People get all worked up about certain things, and he said, count it all joy. Why? Just because? That would sound weird. <laughs> oh, you're going through a hard time? Let's just get excited. What? No, it's not just because of what you're going through. It's where you're going to and what happens to you if you do it right. Let me say that again. If you do it right, something happens to you. Character is developed. We know that from Romans, the fifth chapter. If you do it right in a hard time, and you keep your character at a certain way, your character will develop. Then when it's easier in life, character is much easier. You with me? So you would count it all joy. This is actually going to, it's a wicked thing, it's a hard thing, and it's not maybe a God thing, but if I keep exercising, keep doing this in this hard time, I'm going to come out and it's going to be easier, right? If you work out now, later on, that strength is going to help you when you don't need to lift weights. 
right? And it's the same thing with your character. Romans 5 tells us we get proved character. But here he said, count it all joy. How many of you are excited to know Denver's going to win? You're like, woohoo! You know, some are arguing, but you can argue. But I'm just saying, you can have joy. And don't call me this afternoon. <laughs> or text, or Facebook me about it. I already told you where to put your money. No, put it in the offering plate. That would be the, the, the real thing. You get a good return there. But notice this. He said, but let patience, or literally, verse 4, consistency, have because isn't consistency patience, isn't it? Like when you're at the store and there's like a riot almost, not, I'm exaggerating a little bit, in the line, and then the lady's talking to the other ladies, well, and a man, just because I don't want to think it's only ladies. They're all complaining and, and you can't, these people at this register, they can't do anything, but you just don't say anything. You just stay the same. You don't lift your voice, and when you get up there, they say, Thank you for your patience, because you didn't change. You, you stayed consistent. And he said, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience or uh, produces endurance. In other words, it helps you. But let patience or endurance have its perfect work in other words, he's saying, stay the same, don't give in. Because if you give in when you're in the middle of a test and a trial, you don't know what you could have had. And it's interesting how he reads, and he said that you might be complete, one translation says, and entire, lacking nothing, another translation says, wanting nothing. When you endure and know how to do this, you can end up with the goods, and sometimes it's not just certain goods. I mean, it's all kinds of goods, you know, in the kingdom of God. And so we're counted to, we're told to count it or literally consider it a certain way. Turn to 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. So if we're in the middle of a test and trial, and do you know that things will come to oppose you in this life? You know? I was talking to the group at prayer on Friday, you know, some people, you know, think, man, we started going to that church and we started hearing the Bible and it's like, man, it's like the devil's after me. Why do I feel these pressures? Why didn't I have that before? Why? But it's so good, I don't understand. Because the Bible said in Mark 4, when the word is sown, the real word is sown, immediately the devil will come to try to take it from you. And the way he takes it is to get you to relinquish it. He'll put pressure on. But if you hold fast, the Bible said, you'll get fruit. And that's what we want to do because he doesn't want you to have fruit. He doesn't mind if you have leaves, but he sure don't want you to have fruit. And Jesus commissioned us in John 15 to go and bring forth fruit into the earth. And he wants good things to come forth in our life. Notice this in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we walk, we walk by faith. 
Because you notice I said the sermon title is Keep Walking. But this is how we're to walk. We walk by faith and not by sight. What does that mean? Like, okay, you guys, today when you leave, we're going to put this into practice. Everybody close your eyes and leave. And it would be awesome. I'd laugh. You know, people, you see them run into the door, turn on your cameras. You know, people are tripping over each other. He's not talking about, he's talking about walking by faith and not by sight. You close your eyes. Hey, if you made it to your car, then you got to drive the same way. That's, that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is, if you're going to walk by faith, faith comes from hearing God's word, the Bible said out of his written word. Romans 10, 17, he said, so that's the only way. You can't get it from praying. Lord, I need faith. The disciples asked that. He didn't say, yeah, that's how you do it. The way you get faith is when you hear the word of God, what he said. And, and so to walk by faith means I'm going to walk according to what he said and not according to sight or literally the senses. The senses will tell you all kinds of things. When you get goosebumps, you'll go, God heard me. I don't have goosebumps. God didn't hear me. No, but the Word said if you'd ask according to His Word or His will, He would hear you. So that's how you're going to walk by faith. You're just going to have to go by what He said when it doesn't always feel a certain way. Because sometimes you're going to have great feelings, and you're going to go, woo! Oh, you don't have to count it all joy when you're like that. You don't. When you're excited and shouting, you don't have to go, okay, i got to stir myself up to shout and be excited about it because you already are. So to walk by faith and not by sight means you're going to progress in what you know is right because it's right. And you're going to keep going. And you're not going to be moved. Because really, there's a payday if you walk like that, if you'll believe what's said apart from everything else and make him your priority. In, in Joshua, there's a story that people are familiar with about the walls of Jericho. You know, Israel was promised a land, and they were told by God, hey, you get this land and it's yours, I've given it to you. And they had went and examined the land, and they had spies go in there, and they said, man, it is good. But there was a big wall around the city, a deterrent. How many of us have seen good things in the Bible and said, yeah, it's there, but it's, there's a wall around that? Well, what would you do? You'd have to do what they did, obey the Lord. They obeyed the Lord day after day. The first day, the Lord said, go walk around the city. So they went and walked around the city. That does not seem real, like, intelligent. Neither does counting it all joy. But he said, go walk around the city. So you got a couple million people on a field trip. <laughs> We're walking around a city. And these people have a big walled city, and they're looking at this. What's so interesting is, is those lies that come to people, you shouldn't obey, you shouldn't do this, this seems foolish, nobody else is doing this. 
You need to be careful that the enemy doesn't talk you out about out of taking the steps you need to take and to continuing on. Because what's interesting is the children of Israel had an opinion about this place that it was in, you know, just indestructible. These people, they'll kill us. This is this way. But if you read on, you find out all the people for 40 years were afraid of them. And how many times people have opinions about themselves that are unfounded, not true, but it makes them stop doing certain things? And that the first group, 40 years earlier, said, we can't do it. God said, you can. 40 years later, the only thing that changed was the people, not God. And so they, before, they talked bad, they acted bad, meaning they said, we can't do it, we're not able. And God said, no, you are. And they wouldn't do it. And they were destroyed. So the next group had a chance. And so it's interesting, God told them, now you walk around the walls, but don't you say a word. Because last time they were like, we can't do this. We can't. And it made everybody cry and everybody get full of fear. So he said, okay, just uh, we're going to need to uh, have them shut their mouth. Some things just don't need to be said. They'll rob courage from you. And sometimes you just need to press on. And so they were pressing on with their mouth closed at first. So they went around the walls and they kept walking the first day, the second day, the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. Nothing has happened. But the command was keep your mouth shut. Because, you know, you wonder if people are like, is anything happening back there? Not, nothing's happening up here. I'm walking. I smell. I need deodorant. This is a long walk. I wonder how many days we're going to have to do this. We walk by faith and not how you smell. <laughs> you with me? And so they kept walking. Day six came. Then, then Joshua wakes up early the next day and said, hey, we're doing it again. And they're like, okay, but we can't say nothing. That would serve some people good. <laughs> you don't get to say anything. You know that old saying, if you don't have anything good to say, repent and say something good. That's a different version, but it's the good one. But he said, we're going to do this seven times. And so six times they walked around that day on that seventh day. They kept walking. They stayed. They were walking by faith. They were doing what God was commanding them to do. Some people want to take a step of faith, and sometimes he wants you to walk by faith. And so he literally told them seven times they went around, and then on the seventh time, we're going to shout, and the walls are going to come down. And here's the big thing. They did everything they were told to do by God. You've heard this before. Christianity is a relationship. It's not a religion. Then let's make it that. Do what he deals with you to do. Don't say it's a relationship and then do not do what he tells you or deals with you to do. How is that a healthy relationship? Well, let's just keep reading. Verse 7, for we walk by faith and not by sight. 
right? So we are to walk by faith, not by sight. Don't worry about how you feel. Just like those people, man, they went up, they went and did what they were supposed to. Here's what we need to know if we'll walk by faith and not by sight. That God will always do his part, and that is always the part you cannot do. You cannot do his part, but he will not do your part. Always remember that. He will deal with you. He will work in you. He will show you things out of his word. And he it will always do his part if you will do your part. And we notice here their part was this day, the next day, the next day, the next day, the next day, and then more on the next day. And then they were told to do something else, which was shout. Oh, now, I don't shout. You know, I'm just not like that. No, you are if God tells you to be like that. Then you need to say, yeah, I'm like that because God told me, right? Well, I can't do this. No, God told me to do it so I can be just like that right? He's telling you stuff so you can walk by faith. Why? Because he will do what you cannot do if you do what he tells you to do. Always. Always. Turn with me, if you will, to Luke 5. Here's another story, an interesting one, of somebody walking or continuing on doing what they were told to do. They had tried their own way. They had done their own thing, they tried and tried, and it didn't turn out. And then the Lord told him, I want you to keep going and do just what you were doing. Luke 5. And it's interesting. He told him, you do this. And he started to argue with him. You know, you talk like that to people, and sometimes people act so shocked. Like I've said, yeah, God's dealt with me to do stuff. I've argued with him. Oh, our pastor argued with God. I can't even believe that. Why am I even at this church? Well, you've probably argued with him too or just flat ignored him. We've all argued with him before. So, just like Jesus said, he who is without sin casts the first stone. Your hands get much lighter. You just drop the rocks and realize we're all in the same boat. And Peter, and what's, what I like about this, this is a person who ha, has seen Jesus, knows something about him, and, and he argued with him. I'm not pleased that he argued with him. I'm just glad I'm not the only one. You with me? I mean, I remember a time when I was working in commercial construction. We were doing a theater that was owned by Lucas, uh, George Lucas, and he had started a string of theaters, and he was, he was never there, so I didn't like get an autograph or something like that. But uh, we were there, and they're just pushing this theater to get done, and I was a working superintendent for our company, and we had these people, and there was just a bunch of strife. And, I, and these guys said, hey, where are we going to lunch? I said, we're, we're, we're not going anywhere to lunch. You guys go where you want to go to lunch. I'm going by myself. I'm not going to be around this. I don't, I'm not playing with that. I don't, I don't act like that. So you guys get your problems solved with one another. But I'm not participating. I'm going to eat 
by myself. So I went to this fancy restaurant. You've probably heard of it, Taco Bell. And so, so I went there, and I'm all dirty and everything, you know, because you have your construction clothes on. And I remember walking into the restaurant, and restaurant, it sounds so <laughs> nice. That hole in the wall, you know, that place. So I went into Taco Bell, ordered my stuff, and as I was walking out, there is an older gentleman. He was probably in his late, if not early 90s, and he had a collie, but one of the smaller ones. I call them Frisbee dogs. I'm from Southern California, but that's what I call them. And he had it there with him, and uh, he was eating, and on the inside, I knew I need to witness to him. And I knew this, and I heard these words on the inside, lead him to me. So I went over and started talking to him. And uh, I talked to him for a while and, and uh, told him about the Lord and how to receive Christ as a Savior and everything. And, and, I, and I said, so you, you pray and receive him. And he's like, I'll do that. I said, now I'm going to walk away. I've got, I'm going to go back to work. You, you do that the minute I leave. He said, I'll do that the minute you leave. I was like, Awesome. You're going to, I mean, I'm confirming once, twice, three times, you know. He said, I'll do it the minute you leave. So I walk, and I go walking off, and the curb is out there, kind of. You go out the door and go out the side, and there's tables. And I walked along and walked down, stepped off the curb. The minute I stepped off the curb, that same thing on the inside, the Lord dealt with me. He said, I told you to lead him to me. And I just kept walking. I said, Lord, I told him what to do. He said he would pray the minute I left. He said, I told you, lead him to me. I said, no. I said, you, I already, I did that. I told him what to do. I said, he said he would pray the minute, and the Lord said, I told you to lead him to me. Those were his words. So I turned around and walked back. I'm not talking an audible voice up here. I'm talking a still small voice down there. I turned around and walked back. I said, sir, I said, I'm sorry to interrupt you and bother you again. Oh, no problem. I said, now, you said you were going to pray the minute I walked away, because I'm going to prove this to God. <clears throat> Serious. I said, you said you were going to pray that prayer the minute I walked away. And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, so you did that. And he went, no, I forgot. <laughs> so I sat down. And I said, well, would you mind if I prayed with you right now? And he said, no, no. He said, he said that would be great. So we prayed and led him to the Lord. And he opens up his eyes and he's teary-eyed. And he said, this is wonderful. And, uh, you know, I'm getting shorter the longer time is going on. You ever felt about that small? I was shrinking real fast. Oh, Lord, let me show you. Then he said this, he said, my wife died a few years ago, I come from over there, and across the parking lot, there's like a senior living place, and he said, the doctor said, my heart's bad, and, and, and I could go at any time, and now I'm thinking, oh God, forgive me, you know, because some people say, oh, just send somebody, that's what he's trying to do, <laughs> and, and so he, he just, he was teary-eyed, I was starting to get teary-eyed, you know, and I'm thinking, oh man. Lord, I was like, here I am arguing with him. 
He knows the good things. I would have never known. I would have thought, well, you know, the Lord will get somebody else across his path. And Man, this guy could have missed it, heaven, because of me. But there was something there. And I remember telling him, I was like half crying. I said, sir, because he's all, this is wonderful. I said, you don't even know. I said, you don't even know. And I'm holding back tears. And uh, I was actually holding his hands to pray with him to get saved. That was a sight, you know, this construction guy. And some of the guys from the job site are walking by, and I'm talking to this guy who's about 90. And um, he, he, I said, sir, I said, the big thing is, I said, you don't know what happened, really. He said, oh, but it's wonderful. I said, yeah, but you don't know. I said, you're not going to know, really, because I knew he is not much he's going to get to know. He doesn't have the opportunity like us to live this life and to really get to know God personally and walk with him in the riches of his fullness. Uh, but I said, but you know what? In a few weeks, you're going to, because he told me, he said, they gave me just a few weeks to live. I said, then you're going to know, really, what happened. So I got up and walked away. I thought, that's the best lunch ever. But I argued. I know none of you have. But think of the results. There is somebody guaranteed now in heaven because of that walk back. So here in Luke 5, verse 4, it says, When he had stopped speaking, Jesus was in Peter's boat. He had was out in the boat, but he... He had actually called Peter from his nets to, you know, help him and get him out there so he could preach. And he said, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. Hey, we've already tried this. We've been walking this way, doing this thing. We're fishermen. I would assume... These fishermen know how to fish better than Jesus from a natural standpoint. If you're a fisherman and you fish all night and it's the worst time to fish, you're crazy. Why stay up all night long when you could sleep at night and then fish during the day? So Jesus now in the middle of the day is telling them to do something that just doesn't equate. He said, we've he tried this all night long. Then he went, er, nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. Here's the big thing about obeying and staying with it in the hard time or when pressure's on and keep obeying what the Lord has dealt with you to do because there comes a time when he will do what you can't do if you'll do what you're told to do. That's that relationship side. And here he did exactly what he was told to do. He couldn't, from a natural standpoint, I mean, it's not like some crystal clear area he's in. He couldn't see the fish. Jesus isn't like, oh, I spot him. No, Jesus knew what was there and knew if they would obey when he told them to obey and do what they were told to do, something would happen they couldn't have done on their own. So they let down the net and they put it in there and they caught a catch of fish like they never had. To such a degree, Peter said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. And he said, no, Peter, he said, listen, I got bigger plans for you. He said, from now on, you're going to catch men. 
I'm going to make you skilled at getting people into the kingdom of God. But he had to obey. He had to walk when it was not popular. And I'll tell you what, reasoning may come to you, don't let it be your pal. One great enemy to the Christian is false reasoning. Well, you know, not everybody, but everybody else is doing, you know, it's, it's this way. And, and if I do this, I'm going to miss out. I'm going to be wasting my time. Peter had already cleaned and re-mended his nets because they would get tore. And now he's telling them, do something in a, non, a time that's not best where he's thinking, now I can get my nets ripped again and I'm going to have to go back at this. And then he caught a load of fish when it technically wasn't the best time. But he just obeyed what God said. And he kept obedient. And God will do whatever you cannot do if you will obey him. He'll make a way. Some people say, I just let him make the way. I'm going to do nothing. You do your part. You do. Doesn't the Bible say? He will bless whatever you set your hand to. And that doesn't mean like, you know, like if you take a nap and you put your hand like this on your head and you're like, I'm just blessing everything I set my hand to. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about you do something. You keep going. You do what you're supposed to do, and he'll do what you cannot do. I mean, again and again, we, we find stuff like this. John 9, 6, we find a blind man. He encountered Jesus. He wanted sight. So you know what Jesus said to him? He's be healed, go on your way. Jesus was the healer. Jesus is the healer. You with me? He hasn't changed. But he literally this day spat in the mud and, you know, made these mud cakes. In front of everybody, Jesus took these things made him and slapped him in this guy's eyes, you would have thought, you know, he's embarrassing the guy enough. He's got these things, you know, he's blind. He can't see what he looks like. Everybody's like, look at him. Those aren't even sunglasses. He's got these big mud wads right here. You with me? And now, now Jesus says to him, hey, go to the pool of Siloam. It's over a half a mile away through a city. It's not like you just go down Sossman a half mile. I mean, we're talking through neighborhoods. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash, and then you'll come seen. Bible scholars believe he didn't have eyeballs. And so it was in the form of a creative miracle. It's real interesting that God took of the dust of the earth and breathed the breath of life in it, and made man, and he took some dirt and made some new eyeballs for a guy. Just the same old way, not a hard thing for him. But what if he would have said, you know what? There's other drinking fountains. There's other places. But he kept walking, and he kept on, and he went and did exactly what the Lord told him. And I wonder if he would have got his miracle if he would have done something he thought was better. That's where reasoning comes in. What God says is best for you. 
because he'll always do his part. There is never going to be a failure on God's behalf concerning you. Never. Somebody said, yeah, he, there, there, there is. No, there isn't. He will not if you do your part. The only failures come is when we come and fail to do what he said. You with me? And we do talk about this is a relationship and not a religion. Then let's make it that. A healthy relationship is one where you respond one to another, isn't it? I mean, you know, I would think anyway. If you have friends and you have a relationship with them and all you do is ever argue with them, never do what they want to do and they never do what you want to do, that doesn't seem like a real healthy relationship. But with God, if we have a relationship and there is not one person who is not, who's saved, if you're saved, the Bible said in Hebrews 12 that God deals with all his children or you're not his child. There's nobody who can say God does not deal with me if they're saved. They know it. The problem is they may be listening to reasoning, but there are those times where you get clarity, so to speak, and you know what to do. So what do you do then? You start walking. You start going down that path and know that if you do the steps he said to do, God will do something you cannot do. You can see it again and again in the Bible. The blind man, what about the time when the stone was rolled away? They went, the women went to the, stone, the place where, where Jesus was buried. They brought spices, but there was a stone that could not be humanly removed. They take these big, huge, hewn-out stones, and they roll them, and they just go down a slot, and they get in front, and that's it. And so these ladies are going to come, and they're going to anoint the body of Jesus. And they, they, they kept walking. They kept going. They kept going. And then they got there. Now what? We can't move it. But when they got there, an angel appeared. And the Bible said it shook the place, and the stone was rolled away. But what if they would have never gone? What if people would never do? Now, we know Jesus would have been raised, but the fact of the matter is we need to recognize that God tells us that if we will arise from among the dead, because some people say, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. Arise from the dead, and he said, he'll give you light. He'll give you understanding. If you will just commit to follow him, because some people already know what to do. Other people can just be like, man, I'm a Christian. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do. Go full blast with God. That's your first step. If you'll do that, then just live like you're living for him. Above all, Ephesians 5 said he'll give you light. He'll give you understanding. What if you're doing what you're supposed to do? Let's close here in Galatians, the sixth chapter. A very familiar verse of scripture probably to people. Galatians, the sixth chapter. But he'll give you light. He'll give you understanding. If you don't know what to do, he'll let you know what you need to do. And the first thing you need to do is just live your life fully committed to him and doing whatever you know to do in that, and he will give you more light. But Galatians, the sixth chapter, an interesting verse. He said this, and he's talking about your lifestyle but he talks about it like planting and getting a return. Because remember, if you will do what God deals with you to do, and sometimes it is not popular, 
It doesn't, I mean, it didn't seem like the popular thing to not eat the fruit, but Adam and Eve ate the fruit. They shouldn't have. They were thinking, well, it seems better to eat it. And they did it, and then they didn't get the results they wanted. Thank God we don't have to go down that path. And we have redemption from that in Christ. But Galatians 6, 9 says, um, And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Literally faint in our minds is what it said. Be careful of what gets in your mind when you're trying to obey God and serve God. You can't stop some of the stuff from coming. But I'll tell you what, you don't have to act on it. You don't have to act on it. Remember this, count it all joy. It's not always joyous to press on. But when you know the results, like the Super Bowl... You can put your money on it that you're going to win a prize at the end and something is going to happen for you. Because you can read through the Bible. I mean, I could go through Bible verse after Bible verse after Bible verse. And it's interesting how that when people knew what to do really in their relationship with God. Hebrews 11, the whole chapter is full of people who knew what they were supposed to do and stuck with it no matter what the circumstances, and God miraculously moved from making people who couldn't have babies to have babies. I have a pastor friend. His wife couldn't have babies. They said, we don't know what to do. They tried all kinds of stuff and couldn't. One day when she was praying years and years and years down the road, you know, time-wise, and the Lord spoke to her just like what he said to Sarah in the Bible, and he said, in this amount of time from this, you shall have a child. And do you know they had their first child? And they had tried for years and years and years and years and gone to doctors and everything. Now, they weren't like 99, you know, like Sarah and stuff. But they did, and God did that in their life. But here's the thing. You can go read through the Bible. If people will be honest and obey God, he'll begin to do things. There's always something connected to whatever he asks you to obey him in. Always. Let down your nets for a catch. Give me your lunch. Five loaves and two fish, what are they going to do? But when he obeyed, look what it did do. And God will do that in our lives if we'll really follow our relationship with him. And you'll get to see, like the Bible said, the goodness of God in the land of the living. That's God's business. To make you see that. Your business is obey him. <laughs> 